Good morning, everyone. The Mary Griffith Show rolls on, brought to you this year by Harvest Ridge Coffee and Refreshment Services Pepsi. We're so excited to have them back as a sponsor again this year. Harvest Ridge Coffee, a premier coffee that's roasted and delivered in small batches. The beans are always hand-roasted. They have all kinds of blends. We like the signature blend right here at the Radio Ranch, but you can even get decaf. Why bother? But you can, or French roast, or a Highlander grog, or maybe a Kona blend, or a Colombian Supreme if you really like it hot and black. And, of course, it's delivered to you fresh in a rich, sophisticated, delicious coffee experience. Harvest Ridge Coffee, available at your local convenience stores, available on your grocery store shelves, and you can even get it delivered to your office like we do here at the Radio Ranch uh, just by calling Refreshment Services Pepsi. Today is the day we talk about Arts Quincy, and the director of Arts Quincy is here, uh, Laura Siebert. But we're going to de- kind of deter off of, not deter, detour off of our usual because she wants to talk about an experience that she has been having. She got to share it with her son, and it just goes to show how lifelong love of the arts can be fostered in children and can enrich your life all the way through your adult years. I had mentioned this morning that I thought you, for some reason, were at the Citrus Bowl, but you were not. You were, however, covering for the Iowa band who was at the Citrus Bowl. Explain to our audience what you were doing just last night. Just last night. I have, I'm fresh in from Iowa City. Uh, flew in like a good hawk does uh, to get to the radio <laughs> show today. Um, while, I, uh, you know, of course, the, the marching band has a big uh, commitment to go to the bowl games. And, and uh, so they're down in Florida or coming back from Florida right now. Um, while they do that, um, the alumni of the school get to cover the basketball games. Um, and when this started, it started um, between when I graduated and now. So I graduated from college in the year 2004. Um, and uh, we just used to do, you know, one men's game or something like that. But um, I particularly really pushed hard to, to add a women's game. And now we cover whatever's there. So if there's men's, women's, or wrestling, we cover all of them um, because there's enough alumni interest. And, uh, and yeah, so um, I, I don't know if you caught the game last night, everybody, but let me give you the quick recap. Oh, my goodness. Caitlin Clark <laughs> continues to be the story of college basketball, not just of, of women's basketball, but of, of men's, too. 40 points uh, and a game-winning logo buzzer beater um, from uh, um, from way past three-point land, four-point land, as we like to call it, <laughs> so far back. But from the from the arts perspective, you're you're absolutely right. Um, you know, I started off uh, in the orchestra um, as a fourth grader right here in Quincy, um, just like my son is a fourth grader right now. Started in in the band, um, played violin all the way to my senior year of high school, and decided that the band was having a lot of fun. Uh, and uh, Les Fonz is like, yeah, come on over. Here's a clarinet. Uh, so I popped on the clarinet, and uh, not long after that, auditioned for a Big Ten marching band, as you do. <laughs> Joined the Iowa Hawkeye marching band. Um, and not long after that, I decided I needed something louder, so now I play brass. I actually play the mellophone in the marching band and the pep band. Um, but what an opportunity it was as a high schooler, as a college kid. I mean, I traveled all over the country in college. I went to... Oh, let's see, four bowl games and uh, three NCAA tournaments and two Big Ten championships and, um, you know, all of those places, Texas and Florida and New York and Utah, I mean, all over the place in college. And, of course, I would have never had the money. To, I had blue-collar parents and, <laughs> and I would have never had the money to do that kind of thing. Well, let's talk about that. I want to mm-hmm. stop you there because I want to talk about these experiences because 
you mentioned four bowl games and NCAA and Big Ten tournaments. Talk about each one. So you're there at Iowa. Yeah. Your love of music, Les Fonza, encouraging you to branch out from the violin. You got into the marching band. You made it into the Iowa marching band, which is pretty tall cotton. That's a great marching band. And so now you get, you know, your football team gets a bowl bit. Where was the first place you went? Do you remember them? The, yeah, oh yeah, <laughs> those things seem fresh. Yeah, they like, stick in your mind. It was just yesterday. Um, actually, uh, it was a good story because I just saw saw somebody from that game. Um, it was the um, uh, the Alamo Bowl in San Antonio, um, which is a really cool gig for a band because you also get to do things like the pep rally on the Riverwalk where they put you out on the barges and you get to play, and it's really fun. Uh, we won that game by a 51-yard field goal, if you want to know, by Nate Kading, who is uh, all around Iowa City now. He's an entrepreneur in Iowa City, so I just saw him a couple weeks ago. Um, here's a little arts news. This is how full circle life gets. He is the head of the committee that's doing Herky on Parade. You know, a lot of the college towns do the things where they paint the statues of their mascots and put them all over the town. I entered one. So he picked my one of mine. So I'm actually doing one of the Herky on Parade, picked by the kicker who won the field goal, who won the game. At the Alamo Bowl. That is fantastic. Full circle. And he ended up playing for uh, San Diego. So he was a, a great NFL kicker and um, did did a whole, I think, 12-year uh, career in, in the NFL. Yeah. So your first real adventure as far as travel was that trip yeah. down yeah, to yeah. San Antonio with the, all your comrades there at the University of Iowa Marching Band. Then what else? So, uh, you know, we had a really good run. We went to the Citrus Bowl. Oh, good story here, too. Girl, you want band stories. I got band stories. So I'm in the Citrus Bowl there. We played Florida. We beat Florida and Chris Leak's uh, Florida Gators. Um, but um, more importantly, I was getting ready for the parade and uh, just out in the parking lot that they put us in to get ready. And I'm looking across, and this is, okay, year 2002, okay, so pre all the cell phones and stuff. Um, and I'm looking across the way, like two blocks down at the other people setting up. And I'm like, man, that looks like my high school's uniforms. And I get really looking at it. And I'm like, that looks just like my high school's uniforms. I started asking around to the other Quincy people in the band. I'm like, hey, is Quincy down here? And sure enough, they're on their Disney trip. It's Quincy. We all walk over. Um, and there's Quincy setting up and Les Fonza and Kathy Dooley was there and, and Dan Sherman there was there. But most importantly, um, Clyde Bassett, my orchestra um, uh, uh, teacher and, you know, of course, the Quincy Symphony Orchestra was there. Uh, that was maybe a month and a half before he had his heart attack and passed mm-hmm. away. Um, and I was so glad to have hopped on the bus and talked to, to him as we were all setting up and um, you know, they were all so proud of us. Um, there were about five of us from Quincy and the band when I was there. Um, every year we take a, a current picture of uh, of the alumni from Quincy and the Quincy, and the current Quincy marchers. There's about 15 of them this year. It was a lot uh, of people who march at Iowa from Quincy. But that's true of all the Big Ten bands, you know, um, Illinois and um, uh, 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 Illinois, has, but, Illinois has a great band too. Yeah, yeah, I mean, probably one of the premiers uh, in the United States. And the bands all get along, and we're they all, do. We're well, all they friends. they have fun. It's it's a competition when the football and basketball teams play. Yeah. the bands also compete against each other. So Alamo Bowl, Citrus Bowl in Orlando. Yeah, what's your next big adventure? Uh, Just hit with bowl games first, and yeah, then we'll come then, back to. Basketball. Yeah, and then the uh, let's see, I did uh, what was in Tampa? What's that one called? Uh, Outback Bowl. Outback, Outback Bowl. Bowl. Okay. Um, and that was that cool at Tampa Stadium with the Buccaneers. Um, got a 
pirate ship in the stadium, really cool. Um, and then the last one, and the one that I love to talk about the most from a football perspective, um, was the Capital One Bowl. And it will not surprise you that by this time I had graduated, but I was um, the uh, PR director. I actually um, founded the PR crew at Iowa. Um, I found out Michigan band had a PR director, and I said, well, now we do too. It's me. <laughs> Self-appointed. Um, I'm self-appointed, and I would and I did it all for free. I wrote press releases and went up in the booth and did all these things for free. Now it's a paid. There's three people who have. Um, it's a paid full-time position with a staff. Yeah. Good for you. So that's a real thing now. Um, but anyway, this game was the one. If you're an Iowa fan, you already know this. Um, but we uh, were we here's where I was. I was on the sideline, standing next to the president of the university and our mascot Herky, and we had just gone down uh, three points uh, with forty. 45 seconds left in the game. And the president of the university, he was going to leave. He was going to go up the tunnel. He's like, I don't want to be here if we just lost this at the last minute. And I was like, oh, no, we can get a field goal. We'll tie it up. We have three timeouts. No problem, you know. <laughs> and always the optimist. And um, we run one play up the middle, and uh, the clock keeps running. See, I should have a sports career here, too. Clock keeps running. And everybody's yelling for a timeout, and for some reason we don't take a timeout. And then it's the last play of the game. And you can hear in the radio call the announcer going, it's the last play of the game. They don't even know it's the last play of the game. Well, history happens. A kid named Warren Holloway, who had never caught a pass in his entire career at Iowa, he was only in for injuries, uh, senior, last game, um, somebody doesn't even cover him, and he's open down the sideline right in front of the LSU bench. Uh, and the pass comes right over to him, floats into his arms. He looks as surprised as anybody. <laughs> He goes in for the touchdown, and we win that game. And uh, it was wild. But the most so for me though, I'm standing next to all these uh, the president and the, and the mascot next to the trophy, and we're so excited. We all jump into each other's arms, and somebody from the Des Moines Register actually snapped a picture of us all off the ground. The, the, the president and the Herky and me off the ground next to the to the trophy, uh, and it was in the Des Moines Register the next day. So it's framed. It's framed in my house. You know that is. <laughs> Fantastic. That is. But the band, you know, the band's such a big part of that celebration. Well, and it's true. I mean, I remember, uh, you know, when I went to the Rose Bowl as a spectator, I mean, watching the University Mm. of Illinois band march down, you know, Pasadena, march down Rose Bowl Avenue was just wonderful, you know, thing to see. So you got to go to the Alamo Bowl, the Outback Bowl, the uh, Citrus, Alamo Citrus Outback, and the last one was? That was Capital One. Capital One. And there was the Orange and Bowl where, in there, too. And where was that? The, the Orange Bowl in there, too. Because oh. I had the, that bonus fifth year because of the, um, because of the, um, I, I stayed on as PR crew. But, okay. Uh, Orange Bowl was the Orange Bowl's always in um, Miami, well, right? It was no. in Orlando. I think. Orlando, okay. And I can't even remember. Where that is the, one where's Capital One played? That was also Orlando. Orlando, okay. Yeah. A lot of them were in the Florida I mean, area, yeah, yeah. Florida area, especially in the olden days when they didn't have as many. Now, okay, so that's obviously marching band, football, everybody thinks about that. Marching band for basketball, no, it's more what we call a pep band or a a seated band, or, you know, you don't really, you perform, but you don't take the field, shall we say. So you had experiences with Mm -hmm. Iowa having great basketball teams, you also had experience. Absolutely. Um, You know, uh, what's cool about Pet Band, especially from a musical perspective, is you're playing a lot more music. It's actually a lot tougher music than what you usually march because, you know, you're you're standing so you can actually, you're not trying to also breathe 
down a field and run around. So you can play a little tougher music. You also have a lot. Of, you have to have a lot of awareness of the game. So like last night when we're playing, um, we've got a guy on a radio communication with the entire TV crew um, that's telling us, okay, the stadium announcement gets seven seconds. The the um, timeout uh, lasts thirty. So you have fifteen and a half seconds, and you need to play something and so we have all of these different things that pull up really quickly and we say we're going to play whatever lasts exactly that long um so it's a really complex system that maybe people never think about um at at that level um and uh but yeah i get to travel a lot more with the basketball team even and at iowa um, something special uh it's one of only two teams in the nation um with uh a pet band for um wrestling as well so a uh, huge time commitment for students. You know, kudos to anybody who, who does it now because I don't remember how I ever pulled that off. Uh, we were playing all of the men's games, all of the women's games, and all of the wrestling meets. So it was, you know, dozens and dozens and dozens of performances um, almost every night of the week, it seems like. Um, but just really, really fun. And we, we, we traveled. We a lot of times had to pick which tournament we wanted to go to, and you kind of had to decide um, based on seniority. But I always picked the women's tournaments, um, partially because of our coach, um, Lisa Bluter. Um, she's been there since I, I was there. She, her first year was my first year of school, so uh, I got kinship with Lisa. But she was uh, really supportive when we started the PR crew. She was on all the meetings that I had to go to. But she loved the band. And women's basketball, I, last night I was in a sold-out arena of 17,000 people. But it's not always like that, right? Women's basketball doesn't get the sort of hype that men's does. So sometimes it was just the band and a few thousand people. Um, they loved that we were there. They appreciated that we cheered for them. They they wanted the band there, and I felt that um, immediately at Iowa how much um, the women's team particularly appreciated that the musicians were there. And you don't always get that from the men's team at the time. You know, they were great. They had a great great team. Um, but I didn't feel like the jocks were real excited about us band nerds the way that <laughs> the way that the women were. Um, probably the best trip I took with the basketball. We went to Indianapolis every year for the Big Ten tournament. We won it a couple of times. Um, but the best trip I took with basketball was to Utah on Lisa Bluter's first trip to the NCAA tournament. Um, and we made a pretty good run that year. We did three games out in Utah for the first round and then one more, um, which was in St. Louis um, for that last game. Uh but what I loved about it is the band doesn't have a lot of commitment other than the game. So they just let us run. <laughs> It'd give us 50 bucks for food for the day. And uh, we just ran around Salt Lake. We went skiing. Oh, God, we had fun. So. Well, that, that's the other thing that I think that people, you know, the band is an integral part, but the band doesn't have the restrictions. You You yeah. don't have, like, athletes have to be, you know, they probably can't drink and they're not supposed to eat bad food. I mean, they're, you yeah. know, they're supposed to keep themselves... Physically and mentally alert at all times, that's the whole purpose of being a college-level athlete. Well, the band gets to perform at a very high level, but then in your off time, you can pretty much do whatever you we please. Can go have fun. Go and have fun. when you're a college kid, you know, you're 20 years old or whatever, I don't know how much um, you know freedom they still have to do that. Um, they're a lot tighter these days as far as... Um, like the travel, they travel right before the game. They come back right after it. You know, they have private planes and things like that. We were flying commercials, so we could, you know, had to wait anyway. So it's interesting how things change, but some things stay the same. So when I go to these um, alumni events, especially, and play in the alumni bands every year, um, there are people decades older than me. There are now people decades younger than me. <clears throat> I'll talk about it. Um, but we all have these stories, right? They all can tell a story of their catch or their three-point buzzer beater like we had last night. I mean, we all have these stories. And um, I'm going to tell one more story. So Please we're just, we're do. We're just having a good... We are having a good time. Good just go, day, go, go. Day. Let me tell you a story about somebody in Quincy. 
Um, there was a man um, at, uh, his name was Ken, at the Illinois Veterans Home, and we used to take a little pet band over to the to the nursing homes around town. Um, we, we actually are going to restart that. It's called Band on the Bus. And anyway, he was sitting there in one of these groups that we were playing for at the nursing home, and and um, he saw I had an Iowa sticker on my um, horn uh, that I play, and <clears throat> and he kind of nods at it, and I was like, oh yeah, I played at Iowa, and he goes. I played at Michigan, and I was like, oh, that's amazing. And he wasn't super talkative, but we had just a real small little conversation about marching in the Big Ten. And pretty soon, um, you know, he's, a, he's kind of a frail little man, and I and I um, pretty soon noticed this nurse kind of tearing up in the corner. And I'm like, what in the world? Oh, I played, and I played the fight song, the Michigan fight song. So all of us Big Ten bands have to play the other fight songs, right? And we have to know them. So um, I played the world's worst version of of hail to the victors for him and he just kind of clapped along it was really sweet and i didn't you know know who he was or anything like that well a little a nurse was watching me and just real watching me and and kind of tearing up in the corner i was like well that's weird so after we're done all play and i go over and say what what was that about and she said i don't think he's talked in three months she goes he's got advanced dementia and I don't think he's talked to anybody in three months. And she goes, he saw your horn and, and you guys, and he talked to you. And, and I go, well, he said he was in the band. And I, and she, and I, she, you know, you hear this until you experience in real life, like I'll t- tear up talking about it. Until you experience in real life, people with dementia, often music is the last thing that they can still hold on to. And, and he died not very long after that. And I, I mean, it's still one of the most moving experiences I've ever had in the arts is, is to say I played a really bad version of the Michigan fight song and it meant something to him and it meant something to me and it meant something to the nursing staff because dementia takes so much away from people, but he still had his time in the marching band at Michigan, you know, in the 40s, in the 30s or 40s or whatever he played. Um, and I'll just never forget it. So, uh, you know, I hope when I'm 90 or 100 years old, I'm still playing the fight song and, <laughs> and you know, um, I think one of the things that music and arts in general to like bring it back to not just my, my Iowa days, what it's always given me is a family, a home, a place to belong. And that's what I do every day in the arts is try to find you a place to belong. Well, you know, music might not be your thing, but I got visual arts, I got woodworking, I got needleworking, you, you name it. We got it. If you just want to be in an audience, if you're an accountant and we, you just want to be on a board and help people, we, we got that for you and we can give you that sense of community too. Um, and hopefully it's lifelong because that's that's what Quincy Music has done for me, and that's um, uh, you know something I'm real proud of to this day. Yeah. Well, you tell the story eloquently, and I <clears throat> I will say this that scientifically there is a part of the brain that governs speech, a different part of the brain governs music, and people who no longer can speak at all can still sing. And my past she passed away, but my friend who was a speech therapist would often sing you know how are you feeling today and they could sing back to her and they couldn't speak to her right and so i think that's why when band on the bus and other groups go around to the nursing homes that music brings them to a place where they feel comforted and can remember that they may not be able to talk they may not be able to express themselves in today's life but that music brings them back and they are reliving that and they're enjoying that in their mind so music is a wonderful gift, a gift for everyone. What do you think it would take? And, of course, you have to have interest. And, I mean, I revolted against taking my piano lessons. <laughs> what do you think it would take to get every child to be, quote, musical and whatever that means? You know, you have opportunities. Nobody's holding you back. 
But should this be just like reading, writing, and arithmetic? Should you everybody have to learn to play the piano in sixth grade or everybody have to learn to play an instrument? You have to ask my kids about that. Uh, both of my kids are in piano lessons. and um, You know, I, much like foreign language and, 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 and music, I... I just want people to find the thing that resonates with them. I I don't think everybody's musical. I mean, I don't think everybody speaks that language. You know, I don't think it, it speaks to everyone. Um, but Quincy is, is and has been the the envy of the state when it comes to um, amazing mu- musical ensembles and access. And that, and if I could say anything and just like shake everybody here, it is not guaranteed to continue that way without the financial support of the community. So Friends of the Performing Arts is the premier uh, group. Um, but we're always trying to solve problems. And a lot of that goes on silently behind the scenes. So we got two or three kids that couldn't go on the trip with the high school band, and we went and found them sponsors this year. You know, We find every year there's kids in fourth grade that would like to play an instrument and can't afford to buy one because they are not... God, they're not cheap. Uh, so we, you know, we sponsor those two, and we try to find the funds to make it happen. Um, but, but to Quincy, we're so used to having so much music all the time. Um, I can tell you, uh, I'm a consultant with Joliet, Illinois. Joliet is the third largest city in Illinois by population, um, which you may not know, but they um, they they don't have a community band, and we have three. <laughs> And I, they, they want to know how. And and the simple truth is, is it's taken years and years and years of building funds up, building endowments up, um, building the next generation of leaders to take over these bands, because that's that's something we're experiencing now, right? We've got some folks retiring that we really, how do you replace a Les Fonza? Well, you, you can't. Um, but hopefully one of the amazing people that he's mentored will step into those shoes. And, you know, I look at like a Jeff Duffy at the high school who leads a high school band right now, or Christina Duffy who teaches my kiddo. Um, they're stepping into those shoes and, and, and really growing into those positions. And someday they'll talk about, my kid will talk about the Duffies the way that I talk about Les Fonza. Um, we gave Les the uh, Lifetime Achievement Award at my gala this year. And I got to give a speech about him. And I was just like... So hard. I mean, I've, I've done a few of these Lifetime Achievement Awards, but that was a person who changed my life. Um, and I wouldn't be here in the seat talking about the arts every week without Les Fonza. So it was pretty touching. And um, keep supporting these arts orgs. Support. I mean, you know, I ask for your membership here, here and there. I try not to overdo it over here. But we're out there fighting the fight to make sure this exists for everybody so that when your kid does get moved by music and when they do see something amazing, they can be a part of it. Uh, I want that to be... You know, a lot of kids, even in Iowa City, you hear you think about a big college town like that. They don't start music in fourth grade. They start it in fifth grade. Well, it's a big deal that we still start it in fourth grade. Keep it up. Let's do it, Quincy. Okay. And I should say PMO. I don't want to not say something about PMO because the Catholic schools and uh, and St. James have really, really worked to keep pace with all that. And it's harder. It's almost harder at those schools because the resources are more spread out and they're more dependent on on. Um, parishioners and donations. So uh, huge props to that community as well. You know, I think about like the Monica Schultzes of the world and um, Jill and uh, all those folks. So um, yeah, big personalities, big shoes. I can't believe I'm part of it, to be honest. It's great. (laughs) Laura Sievert, uh, my guest today on the Mary Griffith Show, uh, extolling the virtues of starting 
with an instrument when you're young. Her son was able to be part of this experience with her, which happened last night at the University of Iowa. She participated in the alumni band, and he brought his trumpet along and blew a few notes as well. So these are life-changing and uh, always memorable experiences. If you'd like to become a member of Arts Quincy, they would love to have you. Go to artsquincy.org, artsquincy.org. And remember, if you've got something you want to put on their calendar of events, let them know so that they can... uh, Pump it up. Promote that and pump it up. Okay. Oh, by the way, thank you for the beautiful gift of the print oh. of of the Newcomb Stillwell House. That was gorgeous. Thank yeah, you. We're giving next week. We'll give away the for those into your donations. We'll give away the winner of the of the thing. We were going to do it this week, but everybody's sick. So. Okay. Well, we'll just have to wait one more week. We say thank you for coming in. Thanks driving me driving talk. all the way from <laughs> Iowa City nonstop overnight just to get here. I think it's fantastic. And uh, we're going to take a break. When we come back, we're going to talk with uh, the folks at the Ursa Farmers Cooperative. We're going to play a great song for the Epiphany. It's still Christmas season. We'll get that song played, and we'll see what else is happening this morning on the Mary Griffith Show. Maybe time for your phone calls. Call me now if you want to be part of it, 223-9300. Your phone calls are more than welcome now as we have just about 10 minutes before the top of the hour. We can tell you that this is the Mary Griffith Show and that you are always first in our hearts. 1-800-228-WTAD. 1-800-228-9823 if you'd like to chime in about anything or of course 223-9300 for those of you who live right here in this calling area. Just had time, you know, a lot of people had time that they were... um, off, shall we say, I guess that's the word I'm looking for. And uh, they spent a lot of time with their family. These are the top five games banned at family functions because they start too many fights. Number one, Monopoly. People get so invested in those games can go on for hours. And boy, if the banker makes a mistake, it can really almost relate to bloodshed. So that's the number one game that is banned is Monopoly. We're going to go right to the phone lines. Thank you for calling in. Good morning. You're on the Mary Griffith Show. What's on your mind? Good morning. I just wanted to call and get a little plug in for the uh, St. Edward's Pancake and Sausage. It'll be uh, Sunday, February 11th, and if that sounds familiar, it is Super Bowl Sunday, so ah. come out and fill your stomach and then go uh, go watch the Super Bowl. Okay, Sunday, February 11th. Make sure I get something about that through the email so we can put it I on will, our I will. I don't think I have calendar. a flyer yet for it. Usually they start putting those out about a month in advance, so hopefully I'll get something soon Well, we're glad you. to see all these pancake and sausage breakfasts back now that COVID's kind of over. I mean, COVID's not really over. It's still here. We just don't. We just don't freak out like we used to. We just say this right. is going to happen, and you know, not much we can do. But so yeah, we did. We did a lot of carry out stuff before. Um, our turkey dinner at St. Edwards was sit down family style again this year. So um, we're we're back to dining in in the hall, and uh, I think that turns out better. I, I, people appreciate the social aspect of it more than they do the food, I believe. So, I think you're um, right. It's nice to have those things. Although St. Edwards has some pretty darn good sausage and pancakes. <laughs> so the food and the, it's all good up there. It's all good up there. Well, thank yep. you for that. Super Bowl Sunday. Start your day off right. It's St. Edwards. Where's that going to be served? Right there at the um, church? Or is it? Yeah, it'll be in the church basement. Okay. okay, fantastic. Well, thank you for your phone call. Thank you. Thank you. Great uh, caller that... Uh, checks in with us every once in a while. We love to have our callers tell us about things that are going on in their community. 1-800-228-WTAD, 223-9300. 
talking about the top five games banned because of family violence. <laughs> Monopoly is number one. Uno is number two. Sorry, which was immortalized on the uh, Carol Burnett show with uh, all Mama's family, Eunice. They couldn't play Sorry anymore because everybody was always fighting about who got their little yellow man. Uh, number four, Scrabble. You know, are you one of those families that you try to put a word down that doesn't really exist? And, uh, you, you know, then you're trying to put it by on me. Like, oh, yes, we'll use it in a sentence then, you know. So Scrabble is number four. And Jenga, Jenga number five. So if you've got an incredibly competitive family, I guess it just goes to show uh, that's uh, you shouldn't try to play these games, maybe uh, in incredibly competitive families. So Monopoly, Uno, Sorry, Scrabble and Jenga. Those uh, many families say they've had to ban those games because they just cause way too much trouble. Something happened the other day. I was ordering something, and the person said, do you want it to be flesh-colored? And I said, well, yes, but I want it to be my flesh color. And I still get this funny, you know, we're such a white-centric society that we think that flesh color is white. And, of course, if I'm an African-American or a, a Native American or a Latino American or an Asian American, uh, flesh color is a different color than what my Mary Griffith white as a pale ghost flesh color is. So I get a kick out of uh, how he's still call things flesh color when, of course, they're nobody's flesh color unless you're white. But this is a true story said to us by one of our listeners um, about a, her baby sister who had a very big vocabulary. Even when she was very young, she had a great vocabulary. And her little sister was four and a half years old. And uh, she was coloring with another little girl. And the little other little girl was using blue crayon on the sky when the precocious four-and-a-half-year-old spoke up and said, oh, no, you shouldn't use that color blue. You should use cerulean blue for the sky. And <laughs> this lady writes, she's got, I looked and said, what did she just say? Yes, she knows all the proper crayon names for every single crayon, and she knows just exactly which one is best for the sky color, cerulean blue, not navy blue or light blue or anything. It's got to be cerulean blue. So I get a kick out of that. We're going back to the phone lines. Good morning. You're on the Mary Griffith Show. What's on your mind today? Yes. I just want to mention this. Absurd. Wait a minute. Turn your, your, you're overmodulated and your radio's on, so you'll have to turn those down, and I can't, can't hear you, can't understand what you're saying. All right, I'll put you off the speaker. Yeah, but, uh, don't be on speakerphone. That's the worst thing you can do. There you go. Now we can hear you. Yeah, just wanted to mention that. Uh, I'm sorry. I can't understand a word you're saying. I, I really want to have a conversation with you, but whatever you're calling on, whatever device you're calling on, it's not coming through. It's way overmodulated. Do you have your radio on? Are we getting reverb? Have you got it on speakerphone? It's on. It's on. And it's on. And I'm on okay. Well, I'm sorry. I can't. Are you there now? Are you there? Oh, I'm here, sweetheart. You're overmodulated there. Okay, what did you want to say? Okay, it's regarding a subtraction. Uh, you go through a drive up, the bill's 586. You give them 1101, they don't know what to do. <laughs> okay, yeah, I agree. I agree. And it's, it's a problem. I learned subtraction in second grade. 
when I took the year I was born, 1958, subtracted from 2000, I was like, oh, my God, I'll be an old man of 42 when, when the year 2000 comes. Yeah, but you're they don't right. teach subtraction anymore. Yeah, they don't teach counting back. Well, I'm going to let it go with that because we are having difficulty. I love that caller, but for some reason his device is not communicating very well with mine right now. But you're right. If you give somebody, like you don't want all the pennies back, so you give them an extra penny. Uh, there is some confusion. We don't learn how to count back change anymore, and I think that would be so very helpful. But, of course, really what usually happens is you don't have a skill until you need it. And that's why I didn't really get good at counting back change or really subtracting or adding until I worked at McDonald's. And then you got to where you could put things in your head so quickly. And, of course, it was a lot of the same numbers over and over again. You know, something cost 79 cents or 99 cents back in the day. Uh, you can get a meal at McDonald's for the whole meal for two dollars or whatever, but uh, it is a it is a problem uh, trying to get people to understand uh, how to do uh, simple subtraction or counting back change. And um, as someone who is going in, I'll be there one hour from now. I'll be in a second grade classroom, and we do deal with subtraction, addition, and what quarters look like and pennies look like. And it is sometimes difficult for children to get. Uh, these concepts. And then you begin to wonder, will money become a thing of the past? Will we even have money? So do we even have to worry about uh, about uh, knowing how to make change? Because everything's going to be uh, on a on a card or a, a stick or, you know, put my phone up against something. Speaking of that, have you got phone numbers memorized or are you like most people over the age of 40, you've got a lot of phone numbers memorized, but the folks under 40, they don't know anybody's phone number. If they don't have their phone with them and it's not in their phone, they can't figure it out. We'll talk more about that right after this. Your phone calls are welcome at 223-9300. We're still experiencing the 12 days of Christmas. They will end on Saturday, December 6th with the Feast of the Epiphany. So I always like to play Christmas songs because this still is the Christmas season, of course. Things that are different nowadays, and we talked about this. Uh, I don't know what I would do if I lost my cell phone. I don't think I know my brother's phone number. I mean, I really don't. Um, and, uh, of course, I know my, my home number from when I was a kid. I know my own number. Uh, it took me a long time to remember my husband's number. But anyway, um, if you are like most people, 31% of people say they have no numbers memorized. 38% said they had two numbers memorized. So 60% of the population only has two numbers that they could say in their mind. About 20% know up to five numbers. So people, we need to get to work on that. <laughs> 